Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. I just want to share something with you before I start so that you know why I say that. So that a lot of people come up and say, oh yeah, Ted, you're just being ultra positive. The reason we have worship is to get words out of your system, through your mouth, right? And whatever comes out is what's going to come back to you. So the reason we have these songs is not just to fill up and get you in the mood for Ted Fabianic. You don't need worship for that. See, worship is to get you and your vocals and your heart in unity. And when you sing them, you're proclaiming. So what you've been singing now, when I'm preaching, you can expect. Oh, but Pastor Fabianic, I didn't feel anything. I've had times when it comes to worship where I don't want it to stop. There are times that going, please stop. My eggs are, my eggs, my legs are aching. I want to stop. See, my eggs are. Yeah, well, well, eggs hatch and you get chickens. Yeah, so it's all right. Yeah, okay, I'm just waiting for it to hatch when I hatch. This is going really good today. No, but you see, when you worship, you're not just glorifying God. You're, that's, that's how the prophecy comes out. See, when you worship, it is God training you to live in what you speak. So it's never a waste of time. And everybody said? Yeah, you may be seated. Thank you, thank you. That's good, good, good. And just in case I do a bit of walking around, I don't want to fall over that. Uh, are you good this morning? Now, I ask you a question. Are you good this morning? Really, really good. You know, this year, the word that God's given me for our church, for your life, for your business, for your body, for your health, is that God wants to rebuild what was broken, plus he wants to extend you at the same time. So in other words, it's this, is that the dream you have is already too small. God wants to extend it. And then let's move. If something was broken, God's not going to give you a one-for-one. So everything in our lives and what we do and what we speak is this. God's got your number, and God is working on you to extend you. So in other words, God is not testing you. God is teaching you. So one of the things that uh, people used to go, okay, God's testing me on this. God's not testing me. God doesn't test you. What God does is teach you. So what God has been doing through our circumstances, through all of that, he says, I am teaching you to increase you. You good? And one of the things that the kingdom of darkness will try and do is to keep you on the level that you are on. What Every evil spirit destination is, is to stop you. 
If he can't stop you, he gets you to walk around in circles. And if he can't get you to walk around in the circles, he will distract you in so many things. So understand something. Everything about God is about growth. That is why Apostle Paul said, at this time you should be teachers, but I still have to give you the elementary things of the Word of God. So what we have here is this. is one of the biggest things that you will face, I will face, is what, we, what I want to classify as a spirit of condemnation. Now, it's interesting enough, if you read about uh, Martin Luther, he's called the great reformer. Martin Luther, he lived in a spiritual, in a religious organization, and I don't want to call it spiritual because it wasn't, a religious organization. And this religious organization had rules to live by. And what they taught was, is your salvation is dependent Upon your sin confession. So what they were teaching then, and the people that were teaching them were not saved. So what we have to do, let me just put a pause on what I want to say. What you need to be careful. When you read a book, listen to a TV clip, or listen to an um, audio clip, a visual clip on YouTube or whatever medium, you need to understand. The first question I ask myself, is this person born again? Is this person living by revelation or by information? Because whatever I hear is going to do something in me. So when I read something, my question is not just what is he saying, but my first question is who is this guy? What does he believe in? And second thing is if I believe in that, where will that take me? That is why the Bible says, be careful what you hear. With the same measure that you hear will be given unto you. So Martin Luther wanted God and he wanted to have freedom, but he was always sin conscious. So to him, he was always sin conscious. I'm sin about this, sin that. And what he thought was and what the system taught him is that if you confess and what they did is that they had a priest. Now, to get to God's favor, you have to go through a priest. So they had this thing called a confession box. It's a dark little room where you feel bad and never feel good. It's a depressing room. You know, you know it's not going to be good to you. You know that, hey, um, you know, so he goes in this confession box, and he got so much, he could not shake condemnation. That, so every time he would confess, his peace had such a momentary value. He had to do it again. So he figured it out. He goes, man, what's prob- my problem is I, I'm not confessing enough sins. So what he did was, he got a notebook like this, and he started to write everything that he felt he did wrong. So he starts off, got up for prayer, My first thought was coffee, not Jesus. First sin, I am coffee conscious. And then I was praying. And and I was on my knees and my knees started aching and I lost concentration. I rubbed my knee. Another sin. He wrote so many sins and every day he went to his priest. The priest got so sick of him. 
This guy wore the priest out. The priest wanted to go. They said, I'm leaving the priesthood. Every morning, the priest would get up and guess who is on the front door? Martin. And and Martin would up, hey, I've got six hours worth today. So the, the priest got so ticked off at him, he says, he went, this is what he actually said to him. The priest goes, go out and kill your mother so you'll have something to repent about. So he, he, came, he, came, he was always trying to shake this condemnation. I'm not good enough. See, the spirit of condemnation works on two things. The spirit of condemnation is always attacking who's the character of God, the provision of God. And the blessings of God. And the second thing he does is that he starts to condemn God before you. And then he starts to condemn you about you. So what we have is we got people in churches all around the globe this morning confessing. But what they're confessing is sin and their sins. Your, your salvation, I, I heard this sometimes mentioned. Your, your salvation depends on your confession. If your confession of sin is good, your freedom is going to be good. So we've waited so much on confession of sins, thinking that that will reduce condemnation. Feeling guilty, not feeling good enough. Paul was in the same category. As, and, as when, and what we do is when we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Christ, with Jesus, the anointed one. There is no condemnation. In other words, this. Condemnation to a born-again believer does not exist. The best description I heard was by a hero of faith called Catherine Kuhlman. Uh, uh, she was like the extravagance of extravagance. She, she, wore, she was doing the Cinderella thing. She had glass shoes. She wore wedding gowns. It was amazing. She just just rocked all the spiritual stuff out of people. And it was this. This man came up to her and he says, I know your past. You did this, this, and this. And she turned around and said to him, that never happened and walked off. One of the things that the condemnation will do is suppress your knowledge and your thinking about your full salvation. It will suppress it. So Paul says here, right? Now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. I want you to realize that, is that condemnation does not exist. Your sins do not exist. Your past behavior do not exist. Your past belief system doesn't exist. See, Paul is not saying, how do you decrease salvation? Or how do you ignore, sorry, condemnation? He's going there, it doesn't exist. It's an absolute lie. Now watch this. What all Satan needs to do 
to us. See, something, uh, uh, let me rephrase this. We, you as an individual, you've got to stop doing the devil's job. Let him do it. Let, let him do his stuff, right? But you don't need to do it. You know how he gets, how he, condemnation is so sneaky that Satan introduces it into your thinking and you do all the work for him. All Satan has to do is to give you a thought pattern and leave you alone. You will do his work. And then you will have websites that will help you. How do you spread a lie really quickly? Easy. Get onto Twitter, get into any of the chats, and put it on. Second thing that happens, it goes, world, it goes global. And what happens is this, this is how it goes global. Somebody puts on, you know what, uh, you know, I, I really confessed all my sins today, and I felt relief. Oh, I felt a little bit of relief. It didn't last long, but I had a bit of relief, right? And he posts that. And then us, the church community, looks at that post and that press, I like it. Gets a hit. Then the, person, then the people following that person looked at that, oh, I like it, I like it. Guess what? That thought goes now globally. And if you've ever pressed like, <laughs> smile. Come on, smile. Smile. See, that's how you spread a lie. We get, people are doing the devil's job. You know, God, you, know, I, I, you know, I needed healing, and um, it didn't really happen, but hey, you know what, I thank God for Panadol, and now the Holy Spirit has helped me to buy more Panadol. That goes global. See, what, see, one of it, see, what Satan does, all he's got to really do is introduce a thought, and then you do it for him. You start thinking it. You start talking it. You, 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 you start in, in telling others. You know, people go, you, it's your testimony. So what has happened? The case is closed. In other words, is this. God says, this is no longer to be talked about. This is no longer to be pondered about. It's not up for discussion. When the word of God says the case is closed, in other words, this case can never be reopened. You know, when we, you know, in our television dramas, we have, you know, cold cases. In other words, the case wasn't finished. You drop it in, somebody finds it out, and they reopen it. Do you realize that your past cannot be reopened? It's not a cold case. It, it, the Bible says, now the case, there remains no accusation. I want you to look, look at this. Look at um, Philippians 4.8. Before I read this, I want to read this to you. I, was, uh, I had to go out yesterday and I, I pulled my car over and the Holy Spirit started to talk to me. And this is what he said to me. If you want to live on another level, you need to feed on another level. If you feed on another level, you will start to think on another level. If you think on another level, you will believe on another level. If you believe on another level, you will start to walk on the level that I walked on. 
Jesus. Oh, you can clap. Thank, thank you. Oh, come on. Think of this. See, see, what we have is this. The kingdom of God shows us what this level is. But God says, if you want to live, you've got to feed on this level. You know, it was like uh, Pastor Bishop Jakes. You know, said, you know, he says, we're supposed to be eagles. And he goes, if you're, you're an eagle, and if you keep running into turkeys, you're flying too low. So God says this, right? If you want to live on another level, you've got to start feeding on another level. See, the question I want to propose to you this morning is what are you eating? What kind of worship are you listening to? Wretched man that I am. Past tense. See, what we don't realize is what you feed on is what you start to think on. What you think on, you become. And what you become, you also start to attract. I heard this amazing comment, and I had to actually pull the car over on this one and write it for myself. I wish I had said it. And he said it, it was by Pastor Bill Winston from Chicago. He mentioned this. He says, you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. Because what happens is this, as a man thinks in his heart, so what is he? He's so, so what we have here is that goes as there's no condemnation. What does Satan do? All he's got to do is this, is put a negative thought in you, and then all he does is watch you and remind you if you forget it. That's his job. So there are evil spirits in your house sitting down there, and they're going, oh, no, he's forgotten that he's a sinner. I better go and remind him. And then all of a sudden, somebody goes, hey, I saw this great clip. Watch it. You go, yeah, I like it. <gasps> oh, yeah. You with me? Come on. I'm helping you today. So what happens? This is, all, all Satan does are great. I've put a thought in. You know, good things only happen to people that confess well. You know, and all that. Oh, look, look at yourself. You did that in the past. See, what Satan does this. He goes, first of all, salvation cannot be that good. You, you can't expect salvation to deal with everything. Then when you are saved, then he goes, oh, yeah, you know what we'll do now? Hey, come on. Okay, now you're saved, but I'm going to keep healing from you. I'm going to keep provision from you. So what he does, he condemns you. You're not good enough. Put it this way. If you feel guilty, it's the spirit of condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation. But a lot of people say, but God is a judge. Listen to me very carefully. The Bible says that Jesus is seated and the Father is seated on the mercy seat, not the judgment seat. Think about that. When you come home, Jesus is sitting, the Father is sitting on the mercy seat, sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb speaks. The problem is we are too busy listening to ourselves instead of listening the blood speak to us. We're so busy singing songs about how we're not good enough instead of letting the blood speak to you how good you are. 
So condemnation says you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not this, remember this, remember that. That is why sometimes you need to stop listening to people that you call your friends. Put it this way, if you want to be my friend, okay, which all, all of you do, right, you do, I, I'm a nice guy, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a truly nice guy, I, I, I ask Pastor Sule, see, somebody that loves you will always keep reminding you what God has done for your life, somebody that loves you and says you're not good enough, that doesn't help you. <laughs> Listen to this. In Philippians 4.8. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating. Listen to this. And meditating on the things true. What's true? Let's just stop there. What's the truth? See, some of you, including myself, What's the difference? See, when you, the truth is the highest level of reality. When you move away from the highest level of reality, you get to thing called facts. What's the fact? The fact is how I feel, my environment, all of that. And the Bible says, what's the fact? The fact is this. Hey, I've got pain in my body. That's a fact. But what's the truth? The truth is I-53. Okay, listen, put this down in your thinking. The truth can never, ever be changed, but a fact can. So the question is this. Sickness, you can feel the pain. Is it the truth? Remember, what's the ultimate truth is God, what God says. So what you have is the word of God says you are healed. My body says, no, 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 you're wrong. The truth is, is that I am in pain. Now, it's a fact that I am in pain, but the truth is, I have been healed by the cross of Jesus Christ. So now, all of a sudden, any, every fact can be changed. If it can be changed, it's not the truth. Uh, come on. You're, I'm a sinner. Yes, fact. What's the truth? Jesus has already died for you. You can change it. Excuse me, Mr. Fabiani, I'm flat broke. Fact, yeah. You put your credit card in, it says, um, please contact your bank. You don't want to contact your bank. What will the bank do? They go, we're going to charge you to tell you you're broke. <laughs> it's a fact. But the fact, anything that can be changed is the truth. So here's, here's Paul. The Bible says you've got to build on this. The Bible says you, your foundations are built on the prophet, the apostles and the prophets, Correct? So stop building your foundation on somebody that's not an apostle, that's not a teacher on the fivefold, of the fivefold ministry. He says, summing it up, friends, I'd say, do your best by filling your minds and meditating on the things that are what? True. So what you've got to do is that the, see, I'm thinking, the condemnation is a lie and that condemnation is manufactured. So in other words, condemnation comes from the father of lies and he cannot ever tell the truth. I want you, you need to 
put this really deep in your spirit. Anybody apart from God can tell a lie, but God can't. So God says this, right? I am not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. You know the word that son of man that he must repent, Numbers 23, 19, says this. I am not born like a man. So therefore, I don't have a sin nature. And because I haven't got the sin nature, I cannot lie. So when we start to go onto this another level, God says, do your best by meditating on things that are what, true, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the... What did we preach on last week? Accepting God's best. And God says, I don't want you to, to meditate on anything except the best. Refuse to meditate on anything less than God's best. I want... This is Bible. People go, oh, yeah, but what if I don't want to? Well, okay, if you don't want to, you're not building your faith and you're not building your life on anything foundation. God says you need to know what, what is the best. And so what he says, on the best, on the, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. So here's Paul. He's going now thinking on another level. He goes, there's no condemnation. So any thought that condemns you is of the devil. The late pastor, teacher, Derek Prince, put it this way. He says, anything that doesn't give you hope is of the devil. Man, I, I, I thought, gee, that's harsh. But what he was saying, when I, I remember talking to God about it, I said, God, how do, you, how do I say that so it's more pastoral? And he goes, you can't. There's no way. Because God says this, it's either light or darkness. Do you believe, do you know that in God there is no gray? God, God only has cursing and blessing. He hasn't got, God hasn't got, he's got hot and cold, not lukewarm. He goes, I want you to think about this thing. And I want to show you what condemnation can do. Now, you, you will hear this phrase in the Bible, is that the God of, come on, you, you let us speak. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, when he says that, it should set off spiritual hunger. Because this is God's looking at this man and he's saying, I want to be known by what I have done through this man. So God expresses himself to humanity by what he does through us. That is why it is so compellingly important that you have an amazing life that shows everybody else what God can do. Think about this. You're the advertisement. When God wanted to show how good he is, he picks up a, uh, he picks up a man. He picks up a woman. And he says, I want to be known as your God. So every time your name is mentioned, my name is mentioned. So what does he do? He puts these two names together. So, what's we, so what we need to do is put some weight upon this man that God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And then what happened in his life, right? God came to him and he gave him a promise. He gave him a promise when his energy level, their stamina could produce it. 
So he gives them a promise that I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he also said this, but what I do to you, every family on the globe will be blessed. I want you to, that's, that's absolutely powerful. He says, what I do to you, every family will be blessed. And now, he gives them this promise. Year goes by, year goes by, year goes by. Hey, it's not really working. It's not really working. So his wife cannot produce. And so his wife, Sarah, goes, we need to help God. This is not coming fast enough. We're missing it. Hey, hey, you're not getting younger. I'm not getting any younger. So she, so she goes to her, one of her maids, her servants, and he says, I want you to sleep with my husband. So he sleeps with the husband and produces Ishmael. So if you want to, here's something really deep that I learned when Silva and I were in Israel, was this. The whole conflict between the world is a family problem, and it's a spiritual problem. It's not an ethnic problem. Ishmael came from Abraham. His two kids, they're going to fight him, but we'll leave that till another day. This is just for you because you're smart. Now, so watch this. So she helps him. They have Ishmael, but she still feels that, hey, it's not right. She's not right. And then God intervenes, and he comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, in, next time I see you in one year, in nine months, you will have a baby from you and Sarah. Okay? I've said the scenario now. All of a sudden, they have fruit after the flesh, which, which is, is, is not good. And then, when she is past all the possibilities in their efforts to make it happen, God intervenes. So when people say, you know what, God left me. No, no. Now watch this, watch this. In Genesis 18, 12, this is, you're going to love this, right? And when Sarah heard it, she said this. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought after I am worn out and my Lord is old that's my old man Okay. he goes now that I'm worn out and my husband is old how would you like to be described how are you feeling I'm worn out oh, how's your husband old I, I took him to the library and I said, can you renew him? And the librarian says, sorry, sir, we only renew books, not your old man. He, he, she's saying, listen, 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 listen. She's laughing and she says this. My body doesn't function to produce the promise. My husband is old. It's not working anymore. We go to bed and we read books. Now, what's this said? Will I have this pleasure? When I read this as a young man um, yesterday, I thought that they were talking about sex. I thought they were talking about, will, will I, we're old. 
We're past the marriage intimacy level. We're just now living together. And then I realized she wasn't talking about sex. She wasn't talking about their bedroom. See, the word their pleasure comes from the word Eden. Now watch this. I've got it up on the screen for you. The original Hebrew word for pleasure is idah, which comes from the same root as Eden. She's saying this. Now watch this carefully. She's going, can I go back to the garden? See, we, we're saying that. You're gonna, we're going to reproduce it in a moment. She's not making a reference to the bedchamber. She's making a reference to the original intent why she was born. The word pleasure and the word delight they will feast on abundance from your house. And you give them drink from the rivers of your delights. The word delight also comes from the word Eden. See, that word there, when it's taken in the Hebrew language, is one of the most, they were saying, when you start to look at it, they're saying it's one of the most difficult words to explain because we've tried to look at it on a totally um, logistical level of just saying, well, what does it say and all that? But he, he, she's saying, can you see her heart? She goes, can I have this pleasure? How can I have the pleasure of Garden of Eden? What does the Garden of Eden represent? The Garden of Eden represents that God's initial intent for the earth and for man hasn't changed. The purposes of the Lord stand forever. So he says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And listen to them very carefully. So he first blesses them and then he puts them in the garden. Isn't it interesting that God had to bless them so they can function in the garden that he created? You would think that the garden itself, God, look, look what I've given you, but God says, no, you function on the power and the transmission of blessing. So he blessed them, and he says, the blessing on your life, the blessing on your thinking, is to keep in constant momentum of blessing. And what he does, now listen to me carefully, he didn't put them in a desert and says, create Eden. He says, I've given you an Eden. This is what I want you to occupy the whole earth. I want you to, you need to see this really clearly, is that God's not leaving it to you to tell him what the best is. God says, here it is, I've given you the best. Reproduce the best. Now, now watch this. If you look at um, the Songs of Songs, 14, 16, it says this. Awake, O north wind. Awake, O south wind. Breathe on my Garden with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spices of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make me a fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come, talk with me as you walked with what? Adam. In your paradise garden. Now, come taste the fruits of your life in me. The word heaven and the word paradise come from the same word Eden. 
So when we talk about heaven, we're not talking about this mystical place that it's, it's all fluff in the air. It's a mind thought. It's a literal place. Now watch this. He goes, so he's somebody that's picked up on this. And he goes this. You know what Eve was saying? If I was in the garden, I would be fruitful. If I was in the garden, God would be talking to me. If I was in the garden, I would feel the spirit win. So what she was saying, the reason she laughed, he goes, how in the world can I go back to the garden? How do I go to the place where everything is fruitful? How do I go to a place that the blessing is not generated by my work, but it's generated by the blessing? How do I go back into a place that does that? See, most of us, we want the best, but we don't know how. Come on. No one dreams about being broke. If you do, I will pray for you. No one dreams about, you know what, I, I just, I, I just I want to be sick. I want to feel pain. I, I just love the emergency ward at hospitals. I just love it. You pick up a number and you're sick and there's 455,000 in front of you and they'll tell you you can't come in because you might have COVID. You don't dream about it. You don't dream about your car breaking down and being lost. You don't dream about getting picked, kicked out of your house. You don't dream about, oh, I wish my boss would demote me. I, I don't want to be successful. <laughs> You don't dream about, I, I, I don't want my kids educated. I, I don't want my kids going to a good school. I don't want my kids. No, come on, come on. What she was saying was this. Isn't it interesting? She goes, my body is past it. My husband's is past it. We've missed the opportunity. See, can you hear this? Isn't that more like condemnation? Listen, you're too old. Um, you're not educated enough. Hey, look, maybe you can become success. If you, look, for you to re reach their success, you're going to have, the people that have reached the same amount of success started in their 20s and you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. How dare you think that you can bypass tens, and, tens to 20 years of hard work and get to where I am? How dare you think that people have gone to university, have sacrificed, done all that, spent years of accumulating funds and doing that, and now they're financially free. How dare you think that you're in your later years of your life that God can do that for you. Be satisfied in living in an old people's home dependent upon others. Can you hear the condemnation? But she says this. If I was in an environment of the garden, if I was in an atmosphere where God talks to me like he talked with Adam, if I was in an atmosphere that did that, then what she was saying, what is pleasure? Pleasure is going back into the garden where I become what God intended me to become. I become a fruitful vine. I become a producing wine. I become successful. I become an extender of the kingdom instead of watching others extend the kingdom. I become a giver instead of a taker. I become an encourager instead of wanting to be encouraged. I become a planter in what then a consumer. Come on. See, God is saying, she's going like this. I am in the wrong place if I was back then. But here's the good news. 
there was a tree in the garden called the tree of life. If you eat it, you live. She had no access to it. There are two trees that the Bible talks about. There's the tree of life, which Adam lost. Then there's the tree of life that Jesus hung on. Adam lost access to the tree of life. He lost access to pleasure instead of breathe on my garden with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spices of life within me. Spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. I want you to notice this. What's he saying here? I want to release the fragrance of the garden. Then he says further, come, talk with me as you walked with Adam. Wow. Isn't it interesting today that Jesus has become the second Adam? The first Adam is now replaced. Now we have the second Adam. And he says this, in your paradise garden, come and taste the fruit of life within me. You see, Adam, when he sinned, the tree of life is now protected. But when Jesus hung on the tree, you now have access to come home and live in the garden. See, when people say, I want to be pleasing to God, we're not making God laugh. Okay, can I say this? God doesn't need to be entertained. He just watch. He, he, he can just watch Ted Fabianic and he can be entertained. He, he's, he looks at, check Ted out. <laughs> I actually created him. He's quite funny. No, no. So you know what God is saying? He says, why don't you come home to the garden? Why? What's the garden? The tree of life. How do you enter back to the place where I originally did it? You come through the cross. I want you to notice this. There's now no condemnation. Because of the cross, you enter the garden based upon grace and faith, not hard labor and effort. So, the, so what, what we want to do today, how many of you want to come home? Hey, it, it, um, um, stop. We, we need to start being orphans and refugees and we need to come home what's what's your home the home is the garden what's the garden it's called paradise what's paradise it's, it's taken after heaven it's the place where god dwells it's a place where god lives it's a great it's a place where the spirit breathes on you it is a place where dead things come alive it is a place of restoration it is a place of joy it is a place of hope it's free it's free. You good? Don't leave today without coming home. You know, for people watching online and, and us here today, what part of your life are you not living in the garden? Are you eating of the fruit in the garden or are you living on the fruit of condemnation? 
what Sarah did. She goes, take me back to the garden. And when she went to the garden, guess what? She fell pregnant. And when she fell pregnant, she became fruitful. And the fruit of her wine, uh, um, sorry, of her womb, was Isaac. And God says, I am the God of Isaac. And you know what happened then? Guess what? Because of a supernatural decree, there was a supernatural birth. And the lineage kept on going and going and going and going and going and going. It comes to Mary. Mary goes, wow, I'm in the lineage of A.B., my papa. Oh, wow, do to me what you did to Sarah. Jesus comes out and he keeps going. And here we are to 2022 on March the 7th. And he still keeps on going. Right now, come back home, trusting God. Why don't we stand? I, 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 feel, I feel we need to do something. Uh, come on. Thanks, Danielle. You don't need to stay at the level you are. You don't need to be where you are. Because God says this, I want you to come home. I want you to come to all the promises. I want you to come to what I have destined for you. And he says, come back. Condemnation says this. And Sarah laughed. He goes, it's impossible to come back to the garden and have the same pleasure because the entrance is now guarded. But I want you to tell you today, 2,000 years ago, the second Adam said this. He was talking to us like we are. He says, the first Adam closed the door, but I have come to open the door. He said this. Jesus said this. I, I love it. So good, so good, good. He says, I am the door. Anybody that can't, doesn't go through the door can't get into the garden. I am the truth. I am the way. You, you, you don't need to be sick. You, you, you don't need to go to bed so fearful that you hate waking up. You don't need to look at your children and say, I, I, I hope they make it. You don't need to be worried about, man, what if that bill comes and I can't pay it? You see, God says this. Come home. See, but, but, but Ted, don't you realize what I've done? No, no, no. The truth is, is what God has done is greater than what I've done. I'm sick of eating crumbs. I'm sick of living leftovers. I'm sick of living from day to day to day to day. I, I, I'm sick of, I, I want to be a giver. I, I, I want to I have weight upon my life. I, I want to leave a legacy behind. Why don't we do a Sarah thing? I want to have some pleasure. See, the pleasure 
is the full restoration of what God has done. This is, I'm not giving you information. Please, please, please. What I'm giving you is a message from God today. And he goes this. Come and eat at my table. Come, come eat of me. I'm a good shepherd. I'll talk to you. I'll look after you. I'll make you productive. So you know what that means right now? Every area in your life that isn't productive gets fixed up by coming home. What we are after, what we need is, God, I want to come home. So right now, right now, why don't you just let God minister to you? You know, we only meet once a week as a church collectively. And so we're not going to worry about a lot about time. To me, it's not about time. It's about your breakthrough. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about it right now, people need a breakthrough. If you're watching me right now, you need a breakthrough. And so what we want right now is, God, God, I'm coming home. You know what that means? I'm coming home to your thinking. I'm going to come home to your thoughts. I'm going to come and I, instead of declaring facts, I'm going to start to declare the truth. I'm going to come home and I'm going to know that, hey, I'm coming through Jesus. And right now, understand this. The spirit of condemnation will say to you, you passed it. You don't deserve it. You were lazy, so you never went done this. You could have gone to uni, but you didn't. You could have bought that house, but you didn't. All of this stuff. And you go, enough is enough. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. But just lift up your hands. Just, just, just start to, just right now, just go, God, I'm, I'm coming home. My thoughts are coming home. God, I'm coming back to the original intent. I am your son. I am your daughter. Father, right now, God, restore us. God, restore us. Just restore us. Father, those right now, if you need healing, if you need physical healing, just receive. It's in, it's in the garden. It's already provided. See, you're coming to a, the Bible says he's prepared a table before me. In other words, he's not saying I am preparing it. He says when you come home, the food's on the table. The provision is on the table. Everything you need is already there, but you've got to come home. Father, right now, if you need healing, receive it. If you feel like a failure. Satan is so good at emphasizing what didn't work. But God says to you, pleasure is coming home. And the fruit of coming home gets manifested. You don't have to manifest it. It manifests in the garden by itself. Father, right now, we come through the cross. And we come home. We come home to your word. We come home to your encouragement. Father, right now, just receive. Right now, just receive. Just receive it. Just receive it. Receive that promotion. Receive your healing. Receive that healing for your back pain. Receive that healing for your kidneys. 
receive it right now. Father, right now, we just receive full provision. Spirit, soul, and body. Father, we want to manifest the kingdom of heaven. Father, right now, we silence the spirit of condemnation. We say, I will no longer repeat what you've told me. I will now speak the word. I will speak the word over myself. I will prophesy over myself. Can you all just look at me for a moment? I want you to do something. You might have never, ever done it before. Pastor Silva introduced it last week. It was brilliant. I want you to speak over yourself. You see, see, one of the things that we're really good at, we're good at listening to things. But we need to take the next step is we're going to have to do something. You're going to need to do something. I want you to take, if you can, if it's working, your right hand. I want you to just put it on yourself. The Bible says, by the laying on of hands. See, Joshua said this, as for me and my family, we will serve God. See, what we need to do is now confess it. I want you to confess this word to me. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am highly favored. My past no longer exists. There is no record of my past. I am clean. I have no reputation of my old life. I now receive all the blessing that Jesus has given me. I speak to you. And I want you to name your name. I speak to you, Ted. You will live and you will not die. You will move forward and not backwards. Everything you touch shall prosper. People will be blessed because of me. People will see God's salvation because of me. I will. I will display the kingdom of God to my generation. I am not broke. I am not sick. I am not in financial disaster. I am full of health. I have all my needs provided. My mind is clean. My heart is pure. My future is secure. I right now release God's blessing on my life. In Jesus' name. Come on now, praise Him. Come on. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you. I am no longer broke. God, I'm in your garden. Everything about me changes. Come on, let's worship Him. Worship Him. Come on, don't hold back anymore. We're home. I'm home. I'm home. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Every morning, get up, put your hand on your heart, do the same thing. And you go, thank you, God. God, I thank you. Let me just, you know what I do in the mornings? I go, God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my children. I thank you for my church. God, I thank you for what we're doing. I thank you for your blessing. See, I, what we need to do is this, is you need to act on it. Faith is all about action. So what you do now is go, I'm not trying to get in the garden. I'm praising God because I am in the garden. I'm no longer trying to get healed. I am already healed. So we start now thanking God for what has just manifested. Come on. Now, we haven't done this for a while. We haven't done this for a while. We're going to give God a 30-second Praise. Now, now, I, I don't, I, I'm not talking this, okay? Uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. When Jesus died, He gave you everything, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to give God a 30-second garden praise. Okay, this is a garden praise. This is not a homecoming praise. This is I'm a home praise. So I'm only going to give you 30 seconds, all right? No more. You're gonna, if you want more, you've got to do it at your own time. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Come on. Thank you, God. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for our children. Thank you, God. 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 Come on, come on. 15 more seconds. 15 more seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. good are you? I ask you a question. How good are you? Uh, come on, garden thank yous. This is better than a garden party. I want you to, tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're waking up in the garden. When you put your head down to sleep, you're sleeping in the garden. When you walk out of your room, you're walking into your garden. You can't escape the garden anymore. I want you to listen to me that Jesus has put you in the garden. Satan has to tempt you out of the garden. And the way he does that is within your thinking. So here's the thing. So now that you're in the garden, you've got to start thinking in the garden. You've got to stop thinking outside of the garden. You leave the old man behind. Leave your old thing. So what is the garden? You start to eat of the fruit of the garden. What grows in the garden? Good things grow in the garden. So therefore, I only eat good things. God hasn't got any Brussels sprouts. See, what is this? Is that you can be in the garden and be thinking outside of the garden and thinking, why doesn't it work? God says this. This is your key. If you eat of the garden, you will start to think like the garden. If you think like the garden, you become the garden. When you become the garden, you feed other people from the fruit of the garden. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys.